Welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. And once again, this podcast is sponsored by the Health and Safety event. And hopefully many of you went to the Health and Safety event this year in the April just gone by, which was the biggest that they have ever done with over 30,000 attendees. It's a fantastic event, but they're already thinking ahead to next year. And you can register your interest to attend next year's event, which will take place on the 30th of April to the 2nd of May 2024, once again at the NEC in Birmingham. So just go to healthandsafetyevent.com and you can register your interest to attend for free. But as always, you don't have to wait for this podcast to come out to get all the latest health and safety news. You can go to our website, which is hsmsearch.com. And over there, you can see all the latest news, prosecutions, products and services in the health and safety sector. You can also look at all of our upcoming webinars and register attend them for free and you get a CBD certificate for attending. You can also look back at our entire back archive of CPD webinars in there. There's nearly 100 to choose from on this. It's well worth a look. You can also subscribe to get our magazine completely for free, along with the PP Insights Guide and the British Safety Industry Federation Annual Guide to UK Safety. Or alternatively, you can join 50,000 other of your peers and sign up to get our twice a week e-newsletter. Or alternatively, just follow us on social media, on Twitter or on LinkedIn. But as always, we start with the news here on the podcast. And I've just mentioned a bit of State Agency Federation, so let's kick off with some interesting statistics from them. So the BSAF is warning that those in charge of PPE and safety product procurement must be vigilant about substandard products, as its latest non-member product testing has highlighted the availability of high levels of non-compliant products. So between December 2021 and December 2022, the BSIF completed tests on 127 non-member products. So you've got to remember, all BSIF member products are compliant. But on these non-member products, which included checking their compliance with the relevant standards and testing whether they perform as advertised, only 18, and that's 15% of these products, were fully compliant. That means 108 products, which is 85%, failed to meet the regulatory criteria, many of which are still available and being sold to unspecting users. So that's something you've absolutely got to, to look out for and absolutely why the Registered Safety Spy Scheme is so important by BSIF. So a few examples of the substandard products that they came across included an indestructible safety trainer that failed the midsole penetration test, cut-resistant gloves that didn't pass the relevant cut test, and a safety harness and lanyard provided without any user instructions or documentation. So the findings around non-member products are in contrast to the results of tests carried out on products being supplied to the BSIF Registered Safety Supplier Scheme. And I actually went over that on a previous podcast. And all of those that are members of the BSIF Registered Safety Suppliers are committed to only selling certified PPE and trading honestly and ethically. So registered safety suppliers' products are tested annually as part of the scheme's audit process, and if products fail to meet the test's strict criteria, any issues must be addressed and rectified immediately for members to remain part of the scheme. And I have mentioned in the past the results of this, but I'll quickly go back over them. Of the 387 products that were tested under the registered safety suppliers scheme between 2021 and 2022, 332 products, which is 86%, passed immediately. And of the 55, and that's 14%, that initially didn't meet the test criteria, all those issues have now been resolved. So just commenting on this, 
BSAF CEO Alan Murray, who's been a frequent guest on this podcast in the past, said, Our latest findings are very concerning and reinforce the importance of only using a BSAF registered safety supplier when procuring PPE and safety equipment. The reality is that selling PPE and safety equipment comes with complex responsibilities, and it can be hard for even the most diligent suppliers to keep up with the rules and regulations. That's why, at the BSAF, we maintain that even though anyone can sell safety, you shouldn't buy products from just anyone. We urge all buyers and specifiers to review their current processes and consider what assurances that they have that the PPE and safety equipment that they're supplied with is fit for purpose. Specifying a registered safety supplier is the easiest way to ensure that you're only dealing with compliant, competent, and trustworthy suppliers. Now, if you want to find out full information on the Registered Safety Supplier Scheme, all you need to do is go to www.registeredsafetysupplierscheme.co.uk. Now, obviously, Health and City Matters completely supports the BSIF's uh, Registered Safety Supplier Scheme. Alan is absolutely right. You shouldn't just assume, you can't afford to just assume that uh, PPE equipment is a compliant, but you can rest assured if you only acquire PPE products from someone on the BSAF registered spy scheme that it will be compliant. So we would urge everybody to only purchase PPE from companies that are registered on the registered safety supply scheme. Now, speaking of PPE, we we'll move on to our second news story here. And it's, it's, again, it's it's got a link to the British Safety Industry Federation, and I make no apologies for that. It's on the PPE topic. We are doing our annual PPE Insights Guide. The Health and Safety Matters PPE Insights Guide is an annual publication uh, which will be published later this year, around about September, October time. It comes out and it is a full look at the state of the PPE market. And we, and we do it in partnership with the British Safety Industry Federation. So I'm actually urging all of you to take part in our survey, which we do annually, that seeks views and opinions about PPE in the, as a whole in the market. We need your feedback. We want to see what challenges you're facing, etc. on there. So we'd really appreciate your views and opinions about PP regulation, procurement and innovation. And these results really do shape the content of the publication that we're going to get out there and really can help push standards further and raise serious concerns that you have. It only takes a couple of minutes to fill in the survey. And please, please do so. We've already had hundreds of you do so in the first few days, and I'm very grateful um, for you that we'll do that. Um, and, of course, we will then put the results at you know, key industry figures, manufacturers, distributors, and it really gives a balanced and informative insight on the market coming from you. Now, the deadline to enter this um, and take part in it, I should say, is the 16th of June, 2023. So I think the easiest way for you to do this is go to the HSM website, hsmsearch.com. And if you type in the search box there, have your say on PPE, that's the headline of this article, have your say on PPE, there's a direct link there so you can actually take part in a survey. It'll take you just a couple of minutes, and I would be truly grateful if you wouldn't mind taking part in that. Okay, so I want to move on to our next news story now, and this involves the Institution of Occupational Safety and Health, IOSH, and IOSH are warning that the government's amended plan to scrap EU laws don't go far enough and will continue to harm economic growth, as a new survey of its members reveals concerns about the impact on businesses and inward investment. So under proposals in the retained EU law bill, health and safety standards in the UK are still in danger of being scrapped, leading to less productivity, higher insurance premiums for businesses and increased costs for the government, says IOSH. 
In addition, investment in the UK could be jeopardised, they say, with companies already looking to move out of the UK because of the uncertainty that has arisen to this bill. Well, I mean, this actually comes out at... Uh, well, we've had some good news, and obviously in the car manufacturer sector, that there is uh, about to be investment in the UK. So I have to make that uh, a bit balanced, but obviously those those concerns are there. So despite health and safety standards not being up for immediate review before the end of the year, this bill gives ministers the power to remove legislation they deem unfit, and this uncertainty will continue to cause chaos for UK businesses, say IOSH. So this feedback's come from their members. And there was 330 people that took part in this. And 55% of them say the uh, bill will cost businesses and could lead to cutbacks in inward investment opportunities, say 53% of them. Almost two-thirds, which is 63%, anticipate it will increase costs to the government and 79% are opposed to the bill. IOSH is urging ministers to commit to removing provisions in the bill relating to health and safety entirely ahead of its return to the House of Lords. If it goes ahead in its current form, IRS says the impact would be felt across the country as health and safety of workers is a positive driver of business performance, the economy and for sustainable business and could create additional burdens on businesses. And as a result, the bill could create uncertainty, which may cause workers to take more sick days, retire earlier, greater unemployment um, resulting from business is being forced to close, and this could lead to the increase in cost to government as a result. So some pretty stark warning there from IOSH, and before I chip in on this, um, Vanessa Harwood-Witcher, who's the chief executive of IOSH, said the UK has built a reputation over the last 50 years as a world leader in health and safety, with other countries turning to robust measures implementing as the gold standard. With a vision for a safe and healthy World of Work, IOSH wants to see all countries, including the UK, prevent harm, improving occupational health and safety standards, enhance protection for workers. Even in its new form, the REUL bill still risks negatively impacting both the UK's reputation as global leaders for health and safety and its economy, um, what is already facing an uncertain time as it is. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, the stats. I mean, it's obviously... To be balanced, that's 330 members took part of, you know, well north of 30,000, 40,000 members IOSHA has. So it's just a snapshot. I don't particularly want to get political on this because there is plenty of assumptions of what could happen. But what is accurate, and I do agree with, is the fact that health and safety is a positive impact on businesses and anything that could jeopardise the high quality of health and safety standards that we have in this country would be detrimental to businesses without a shadow of a doubt. And forgetting businesses for a moment, of course, we won't make sure that everyone returns from work safe. Absolutely. This is, you know, an, an interesting topic. I think my, my view on it is very simple, that I can see this will appeal to Brexiteers of getting rid of um, EU bureaucracy. I can also understand the viewpoint this could put people's lives at risk if you just get rid of all EU laws. I think this is probably the grey area of Brexit or one of, one of many. And I'm not sure the government is going to scrap anything that could generally put people safety at risk. And of course, there's still time to work on this. I think my view is there needs to be very close consultation between the government and organisations like IOSH to make sure that no legislation, EU or UK-based, etc., is changed that could put people or premises in danger of being unsafe. That's 
the clear view on this. I, I can completely see why IR should take in a hardline approach on this, but I think this comes down to potentially exasperation of wanting to get probably greater communication from government on what it exactly means. And, you know, as we've seen in other areas of EU law, they're not going to just scrap everything. They are going to cherry pick. And like I've said before, you want to hope that it isn't just cherry picking and overlooks really important legislation. And as an optimist and someone that would hope the health and safety is seen as common sense in the corridors of power, I would hope that there'll be great communication and that the removal of any EU laws won't have an adverse effect on health and safety. Now, as I've said before, you know, celebrating excellence in the sector is absolutely key and keeping what you guys do, keeping people and property safe is absolutely fundamentally key. And that is exactly why I want to move on to our uh, our final news story here, which is to announce the winners of the Safety and Health Excellence Awards. I mean, I'm so grateful to everybody that entered these. It was a fantastic evening. We had over 220 entries, which is a record. It was sold out. 750 people attended the ceremony on the 26th of April at the Vox. It was hosted by Tess Daly. It couldn't have been a, a more um, interesting setup for that evening because Tess actually had a car crash on the way to the venue and was hurt, bless her. She hurt her back and she had a concussion and we weren't sure that she was going to be able to do it. And her husband, Vernon Kay, offered to step in. But like a trooper, she absolutely pulled through and did it and I'm very very grateful for her for doing it and she was very well received um, as the evening went on and it was a great evening seeing so many of you there celebrating um, what's great and good about health and safety um, was, was fantastic and I think nothing highlighted this more than the standing ovation the first one we ever had um, for the Lifetime Achievement Award which went to JSP Limited's founder Clive Johnston and you know th that brought goosebumps to to me, seeing how much it meant to him and his family on stage and the entire room, the respect and love they have for him and his his business was a standing ovation from everybody. He has dedicated his life to um, creating quality safety products and keeping people safe. And uh, it was very, very well deserved and very grateful to all of the judges who took part in that, all of our sponsors and you know everyone that entered. And I do want to just take um, a couple of minutes to go over who the winners were. So we always do these awards in partnership with the British Safety Industry Federation and we put their prestigious BSAF award as the first four awards of the evening. And the BSAF Product Innovation Award, the PPE category winner was Reson for Halos. The BSAF Product Innovation Safety Product category, the winner was Alert Technology Alert Pro Connected. Uh, I was actually a judge on that category and that was a fantastic uh, quality of entries. The BSIF Customer Service Award went to Harrison's of Hull and the BSIF Safety Solution Award went to Protex AI. So then we move on to the She Awards themselves, the Alan MacArthur Unsung Hero Award sponsored by 3M. The winner went to Tanya Aspinall of Medicines Discovery Catapult. Health and Safety Manager of the Year sponsored by RS Safety Solutions went to Mark Smith of Open Food Agriculture Limited. Best Health and Safety Construction, sponsored by the Safety Knife Company, went to National Access and Scaffold Confederation. The Marketing Campaign of the Year, sponsored by Fire Safety Matters, went to Martor UK. The Best Health and Safety Manufacturing Award, sponsored by Martor UK. The winner was ProSeal UK. The Best Use of Health and Safety Data to Lower Incident Rates, sponsored by Discovering Safety. The winner was TSO. So the winner of the Distributor of the Year, sponsored by Health and Safety Matters, was Tower Supplies. 
The winner of the campaign of the year, sponsored by Safety Rocks, was BA Systems Maritime Services. The winner of Best Health and Safety Project, sponsored by the Health and Safety Event, was Hitachi Rail, in partnership with BB&A. The winner of the Woman of the Year, which is sponsored by Cromwell, was Jane Downey. And uh, congratulations to Jane. I know she was unwell and couldn't attend the event, but uh, she's been sure this many times before and a uh, thoroughly deserving winner. So the winner of the Health and Safety Team of the Year, sponsored by Nibosh, was the AA, so the Automobile Association. The winner of the Rising Star Award, sponsored by Evertix, was Charlotte Waller of Shafley UK. The winner of Safer Logistics Award, sponsored by Logistics Matters magazine, was Weetabix. The winner of the first ever Best Driver Risk Management Performance Award, sponsored by National Highways, was Heineken UK. And as I mentioned, the very deserving winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award, sponsored by the headline sponsors, Eco Online, was Clive Johnston of JSP Limited. So I would urge you all to go to www.she-awards.com. Take a look at the photos from the events, the videos from the event, read the book of the night to see all about why these companies, people and organisations and teams got shortlisted. And as I said, a huge thank you to everybody involved in that. It was a truly fantastic evening. Um, and we will be reopening entries at the end of September 2023 for next year's She Awards. And we are very, very excited to do so. Now, I know I said that was our last news story, but actually it'd be remiss of me not to mention that uh, the British Occupational Hygiene Society, BOHS, has appointed a new president. So if you don't know who BOHS is, I'd be surprised, but they're a scientific charity and the Charter Society for Work and Protection. And they have announced the appointment of Alex Wilson of its new president for 2023 to 2024. Alex is a chartered occupational hygienist with more than 20 years experience in the field of occupational hygiene, workplace health and environmental areas, and he's worked in steel, chemical, aerosmith and power system sector. He's held previous positions in various companies, including BP, Tata Steel and Rolls-Royce. He currently serves as the Global Industry Hygiene and Occupational Health Manager for Johnson Matthew, and he is passionate about the protection of people in the workplace, BOHSS, and also passionate about the protection for the local community and is dedicated to making employee health and environment concerns a primary focus of management. So commenting on his appointment, Alex expressed his gratitude and said, I'm incredibly privileged to become the new BOHS president and lead the society in this milestone year as we celebrate our 70th anniversary. Chris Keane, who's the past president of BOHS, said that he welcomed Alex's appointment and said Alex's passion and dedication towards occupational hygiene and workplace health is commendable. We're confident that his leadership will take BOHS to new heights. Kevin Bampton, who is, of course, CEO of BOHS, also welcomed Alex and said Alex's experience and expertise will be invaluable to BOHS. We look forward to working with him to create healthier working environments. So the new president will be supported by President-elect Palm Jit Kahir, who's a past president Chris Keane will also um, support, and of course the Board of Trustees. So speaking of uh, Palmjit, he has more than 30 years of experience as a regulator, occupational hygienist, easy for me to say, uh, with knowledge of manufacturing, pharmaceuticals, engineering and oil and gas. So he will be the president once this next term comes 
to play. Um, so for the next 12 months, Alex will be in post and then Pardew will come in. So, you know, at this point, I would just like to congratulate Alex and Pardew on their appointments, wish them all the best of luck. We thoroughly enjoy working with BOHS and supporting all the key work that they do. And so now it's time to introduce our guest for this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. And I'm delighted to have sat down with Ryan Plummer, who's the Senior Director of RS Safety Solutions. And we've talked about a number of topics to do with PPE and the reliability of PPE and how RS Safety Solutions are working with its clients to try and deliver the highest quality solution and support they possibly can. And of course, some of you may well know, and I do cover this in the interview, that we partner with RS to do a to do a survey that was later published into a report about the industry outlook for health and safety in 2023. And we actually did a webinar just last week. And I say last week, when you're listening to this, it would have been the third week of May. And you can listen and watch that webinar right now. Go to hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab at the top of the page. And it is the top webinar there called Under the Service of Health and Safety, the 2023 Industry Outlook to help you protect what matters. So please do go and listen and watch that webinar. But in the meantime, I sat down with Ryan earlier and here's what he had to say. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Good morning, Matt. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Well, welcome back from the uh, long bank holiday weekend. We've had quite a few of these in May. As you were saying, we can almost get used to these uh, (laughs) nice long weekends. So... Good to see you. I want to talk about your role and everything to do with RS Safety Solutions today. So just to kick this off, I'd quite like to let the audience know a bit more about you. So can you tell me a little bit more about you and your role at RS Safety Solutions? Yeah, sure. So Ryan Plummer, I'm the Senior Director at RS Safety Solutions. So I mean, I guess the bit that's probably most important to me, married to Daniela, have a daughter called Hebrew Seven. Um, so that's uh, how I... I've spent most of the bank holiday and uh, how I like to spend most of my time, which is uh, with friends and family, ultimately. Um, my role with RS Safety Solutions, uh, effectively I'm responsible for the end-to-end um, running of Safety Solutions. Uh, safety Solutions is a, a specialist PPE distributor uh, and manufacturer with over 150 years of PPE expertise. Uh, effectively, the RS Group uh, made two acquisitions. One was a company called Needlers, uh, Needers are a specialist within the food and beverage uh, sector. Uh, and a further acquisition, a company called Liscombs, uh, who specialise in um, automotive, uh, steel and utilities, so a bit more sort of heavy industry. Over the last 24 months, we've brought those two businesses together uh, as RS Safety Solutions, um, you know, which really gives the RS Group a specialist capability uh, within the safety space. So, you know, we've got a, you know, Big ambitions to be the most important supplier of PPE products uh, in the marketplace. And that's with, I guess, a domestic ambition, but also an international ambition over time. So if you've got a seven-year-old and I've got twin uh, 12-year-olds, you must come back to work for a rest then by comparison after a long weekend. This is me uh, officially sitting down for the breather. And thankfully, it's the the school holidays at the moment. So uh, they've... um, They've gone out for the day, so this is the first day I've had a bit of peace and quiet for, <laughs> for some time. Well, enjoy it while it lasts, but let's let's um, go back on to, to RSA decisions a minute. How do you ensure that your suppliers provide high-quality products to your customers? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think the, the, the first thing is we, we work with reputable brands, 
you know, um, with their own sort of, you know, strong ethical stance when it comes to, you know, manufacturing uh, goods. You know, we're quite prominent when it comes to completing um, site audits to ensure um, supply partners are, are manufacturing in, you know, an ethical way. Um, we also have our, have our own lab. So we, we you know, if we're, if we're looking at sort of bringing in products, we would actually inspect the product from a quality uh, and compliance perspective uh, before we actually approve products into the range. Um, I think this is, you know, particularly uh, important given the, the applications that we're, we're supporting customers with, um, that we do have this high quality um, product that is available. You know, if we look at it from a, if I give you an example from a, you know, from a food perspective, we are uh, BRC accredited. So again, we've got that transparency from a traceability point of view, you know, should we need to investigate, you know, back through the supply chain. So, you know, we take, um, we take this as a very serious point and also, you know, it's how we can add real value, ensuring that we are providing high quality products to help customers. And I just want to talk about that for a moment, if you don't mind. So what kind of training or resources do you provide to your employees to ensure that they're equipped to handle customer inquiries and concerns related to product support? Sure. So I think, um, you know, I guess a, a good supplier should hold the right knowledge with regard to the application. I have an understanding of, you know, sort of latest innovations uh, in technology. And, um, you know, I think some of the feedback we get that often that level of visibility from a customer perspective is missing. And I think there's a role that we need to play um, within that space. Um, so I guess in terms of how um, we, we ensure that capability is in place, we have a uh, a highly technical team um, who work very closely with um, supply partners uh, from the manufacturing space. Um, so we're regularly having uh, suppliers in to educate us on latest innovations um, so we can fully understand um, the benefits from a customer perspective. We also think it's really important for customer visits. Now, you know, that's not unusual for an external salesperson, but we also, I think from a customer service point of view, <laughs> we try to um, have our customer service teams visiting customers. So essentially, they can understand um, the application uh, and, and how the products are being used. Um, because, you know, each customer has a slightly, may have slightly different challenges. So I think rather than that sort of, you know, generic feedback, we're able to put, we're able to walk in the shoes of the customer um, and provide that, you know, that level of expertise. Um, you know, I think the other thing is that we get to know our customers. So if we, if we think we've got external salespeople with a portfolio of customers who are making regular touch points with customers, but we also double team up. So from an internal customer service perspective, we have dedicated resource that are, are working with the same customers on, on a regular basis. So that relationship um, is really important, and I think ultimately that allows us to have an understanding, you know, of what's be, you know, what's going on in the marketplace, but being able to distill that down and be able to talk to the customer based on our knowledge and, and, and depth of relationship with them. So, how do you keep your customers informed about new PP products and updates to your existing products? Sure. So, it's interesting. I think during the sort of COVID period, I think innovation had slowed. I think it was more about having, you know, products available um, and, and sort of servicing from that perspective. But I would say that, 
you know, over the last probably 12 to 18 months, we're starting to see a lot more products on the market, particularly in the sustainable space. And um, so again, you know, we've we've got very close relationship with our supply partners, uh, very close relationship with our customers. So it's really important that we, you know, are able to take those innovations and present it to the portfolio uh, of customers. So again, touching on the previous point, external sales teams working hand in hand with our customer service teams to support customers. It means that we're in a position to have face-to-face discussions around, you know, sort of new products um, that are entering the market. Um, we also have uh, a dedicated area um, on the website, which provides uh, information on, you know, the latest products. Um, we're, we're, we're fairly sort of prominent in terms of marketing, um, you know, new products that are coming out um, with the occasional sort of direct mail featuring sort of popular uh, PPE products, etc. But we do find that, you know, it's best to have those conversations in person, uh, an opportunity to actually look and understand, touch and feel the, the, the products and have that conversation. And, and where required, you know, um, we'll, we'll actually work on a customer site uh, in conjunction with uh, a supplier um, to really highlight the features and benefits uh, of how we can support particular applications. I think as well, if we look at it, if we look at the external market at the moment and we see some of the cost pressures, um, you know, actually some of the innovations uh, do provide cost and use benefits where it's actually driving efficiencies within uh, an end-to-end process from a customer perspective. And, you know, some of that sort of, um, uh, I guess, it's quite difficult to portray through, you know, email marketing and bits like that. So that's where that human touch element is really, really important. Well, you do about marketing, etc. And, you know, you've been um, very active recently. Obviously, RS partnered with us um, to do a survey and, and obviously then publish a report, um, which is titled Under the Service of Health and Safety. And that went on to an educational webinar that we did together just last week, in fact, and, and that webinar, I would encourage everyone listening to go and watch. It's completely free and you will get a CBD certificate for doing so. If you go on to hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab, you will see there right at the top one saying, under the surface of health and safety, the 2023 industry outlook to help protect what matters. And yeah, I would urge you all to watch it. It's a fantastic webinar. And it was based on the findings of the report that we did together through the survey, and it really got all of your input in this. So it's well worth reading the report, which you can see on our website, but it's also well worth listening to the webinar. It was, it was a really, really inside webinar. It was over 1,600 people were watching it. So um, sorry, I've digressed there, Ryan, but I thought it would be worth um, giving a shout out for that. But we're coming back to questions for you. What kind of support do you provide to your customers after they purchase PPE products and solutions? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's sort of going back over a couple of points that we've, we've touched on in terms of the that dynamic between our sort of account managers and customer service teams working hand in hand um, with our customers, you know, is, um, you know, out, you know, it's a proactive team uh, that is in daily contact with our customers. So, you know, if we're, if we're sort of rolling out, um, you know, new innovation that provides, um, you know, some form of benefit, whether that's cost in use or is actually just enhancing a, a process, then we're making sure that we're, we're having that face-to-face interaction on a regular basis to ensure that we're extracting feedback and insight. Um, you know, our 
you know, for me, it's one of the biggest, you know, it's a really customer-centric organisation. It's one of our biggest strengths in terms of how razor focused we are um, on the customer. And a lot of this stuff is 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 sort of, for me, entailed in the, the strength of relationship we, that we have directly with our customer base. Well, one question I wanted to ask you is, there's always the question of quality against price. You know, when you're purchasing PPE products, the concern is that people will go for the cheapest products rather than, you know, the, the highest quality products. So I guess a question I have for you is, how do you ensure that the prices that you have remain competitive while still maintaining high quality standards of your products? Yeah, sure. So I'll probably answer that in, in a couple of ways. I think... Um... I'll, I'll touch on innovation second this time because I've mentioned that a few times. But um, I think the first is about remaining sort of vigilant and close to market conditions. Um, you know, we, we would regularly, um, you know, benchmark um, the, the external market to make sure that we understand that we are competitive when it comes to making, you know, procurement decisions. We try to use as much intelligence when it comes to obtaining uh, stock as possible and to ensure that it's obtained in the most cost-effective way. Um, so I think between, you know, being very close to the market conditions, you know, always researching and understanding, um, you know, price points in the market, and then using a level of intelligence to get product from A to B in the lowest cost of ownership kind of way, um, it allows us to ensure that we remain sort of competitive and can support customers. Um and again, you know, the other the other element is innovation. I think that's really kind of critical in, in this space whereby, um, you know, can we help provide um, process improvements to remove uh, a level of cost from a customer's business? And you can only really get into that type of um, space if you do have, um, you know, the specialist knowledge that we have within our business. You know, this is not, um, this is beyond just, providing products um, and, and getting it from uh, A to B quickly. This is actually um, specifying and ensuring that you've got the right products to support the application, but but helping to drive some efficiencies in there. So I think they're, they're the, probably the two areas when it comes to you know, remaining close to the market, making sure that we're, we're doing our best uh, and providing the cost-effective solutions, uh, and then an overlay of technology that helps from a process improvement point of view. So, Ryan, that's all the questions I had for you, and thank you for making time for us. But just a quick question for anyone listening. If they want to reach out to you or find out more information about RS Safety Solutions, what's the easiest way for them to do so? Yes. So, um, I said, I'm Ryan Plummer. I'm uh, on LinkedIn. I'd be more than welcome for people to reach out to me um, directly, uh, more than happy. Um, in addition, we've got the, the RS website, so www.rs-safety.com. Um, so there's much more information available um, there also. Um, and equally, if it's just information you're looking for, just to reiterate your point, Mark, you know, please download the survey. Um, lots of rich information in there and insights for, for people to take away. Brilliant. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. All the best. And that's all we've got time for on this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Huge thanks to our guest on this episode of the podcast, who was obviously Ryan Plummer from RS Safety Solutions. 
Now, you don't have to wait until this podcast comes out to get all the latest health and safety news, prosecutions, products and services. You can go to our website at any point, which is www.hsmsearch.com. And there you can also sign up to get our twice a week e-newsletter for free. You can look at all of our upcoming and past webinars for free by clicking on the webinars tab. You can also sign up to get copies of our magazine in print or digital formats for free. Just click on the register page there and you can get six issues of Health and Safety Matters, plus the PPE Insights Guide and the annual BSIF Guide. You can also follow us on social media, whether that is Twitter or LinkedIn. And if you want to give us any feedback on this podcast, please use the hashtag HSMPodcast. Please do give us a positive review and feedback on any podcast platform that you're listening to this from or even on YouTube if you're streaming it through there. And thank you again to our sponsor, the Health and Safety Event. And as I mentioned at the top of this podcast you can now register your interest for next year's health and safety event all you have to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com or just throw into a search engine health and safety event and up they come and it takes place on the 30th of april till the 2nd of may next year in 2024 at the nec in birmingham and you can register your interest for attending for free right now so please do so because it is the uk's largest health and safety event as well as a collocated the fire safety event the security event and the workplace events. So do head over to healthandsafetyevent.com for more information. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next time on the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.